0: When you look at the 2022 Pac-12 football recruiting rankings factoring in the transfer portal, what stands out the most? We'll talk about that today. Let's go. Locked on Pac-12, your daily podcast on the Pac-12 Conference. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Locked On Pac-12 Podcast. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin, D1 play-by-play broadcaster. Thanks for making this your first listen or your first view. If you're watching on YouTube every day, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, this right here is your number one source to stay up to date with the Conference of Champions, which is why you should like and subscribe wherever you are listening to or watching the show. Five-star reviews, comments on YouTube, everything and all of it. Appreciate all of you watching and listening out there so we talk plenty of recruiting on here right and of course we're always going to and is recruiting everything no i mean it's a commonplace occurrence in college football for fans of a, a team that doesn't typically typically recruit very well that beats a team that does win a lot of off-season recruiting battles or off-season natties as you might say and say like oh well i you, you had all those big time recruits how much did they help you now well I understand that sentiment. It's very, very real. However, generally speaking, when you look at the best teams in college football, the ones that get to the college football playoff and win national championships, they tend to be the ones, the Georgias, the Alabamas, the Clemsons, heck, even the, you know, Cincinnati's of the world. They recruit very, very well. So that's why I get so much attention and why I pay attention to it here on the show. And now, you know, 24-7 sports has this interesting thing where, they factor in not just your high school recruiting ranking in 2022, but your transfer, transfer portal recruiting ranking as well. And I think that's a really logical and understandable thing to do because guys can be instantly available rather than having to sit for a season or you know being a grad transfer per se. Guys can now come to your program and be a part of it for a couple of years after being a part of a different program for a couple of years and not have to sit out. It's a very, very different part of it. I know people probably hear that a lot, but it's worth repeating because it's a very important component to this sport that we all love. So right now, when you look at the the transfer portal and high school recruiting rankings for 2022, this is where the Pac-12 conference standings are at. And, and there's not going to be, I think, any major changes. I think you could have some transfers in the lead up to this fall season, you know, maybe in fall camp when students get back to campus in August and whatnot from back from summer vacation. Uh, it, it's it's something that could change a little, but not a lot. So you've got USC number one because of their transfer rating, right? They're tenth in the conference compared to everybody else. This is just comparing to Pac-12 schools, not speaking nationally. They're tenth in the conference in high school recruiting for 2022. Undergoing a coaching change, recruiting had fallen off under Lincoln Riley. That's all to be expected, but their transfer rating is number one in the country. Headline, of course, by Caleb Williams, who boosts that rating up significantly since he's, you know, I think one of the highest rated quarterbacks that, you know, you could find in the country really in the last five, six years or so. But he's very good. Mario Williams is very good. Jordan Addison's very good. They got Travis Dye and Austin Jones and Terrell Bynum and Shane Lee from Alabama. There's a, a whole bevy of players they've brought in via the portal that are making them number one for the class of 2022 in the PAC 12 compared to the other schools in the conference. Number two is Oregon. They've kind of got a blend of, of transfers and recruits that are putting them right there. You know, you've got Bo Nix, you've got chase Coda who has come in Sam Timani from Washington, Christian Gonzalez from Colorado, all players who figure to be significant contributors, Bo Nix, probably going to be a starting quarterback. Of course, they will all be significant contributors this year, but they also brought in a pretty nice recruiting class that, has got them back to uh, winning the off-season recruiting battle in the conference at the high school level for the fourth year in a row. So they take the conference recruiting title crown again, and you know, make of that what you will. Oregon's won a couple Pac-12 championships, and they or they've been to a couple in, in the last several years. one one with Mario Cristobal in 2019. Just saying that the stuff tends to matter. Uh, They'll get to Utah here in in just a moment. Coming in at number three, and this may be a surprise to many, is Arizona. Arizona, off of a 1-11 and season, followed by Stanford at a 3-9 and season, are currently 3-4. and These rankings right now are being, and again, they're probably going to stay that way. I shouldn't have said right now. But these rankings are being bolstered significantly by very strong high school recruiting classes for Arizona and Stanford in the class of 2022, which is a credit to Jed Fish, And David Shaw for continuing to be able to sell their programs despite struggles on the field. I mean, Arizona was one and eleven. Stanford was three and nine, and here they are ahead of the reigning Pac-12 champions in Utah, ahead of UCLA, went eight and four, ahead of Arizona State, who went eight and five, ahead of Cal, who finished the season strong with with a bunch of wins and was you know one game away with a bunch of one possession losses on their schedule as well for making a bowl game. Ahead of Washington State, who is competitive in the north, ahead of the Bees. I mean, that's a really impressive thing. Uh, props to Jed Fish, David Shaw, and those staffs for you know putting in uh, the work and the time that's required to be at that level right now. Because I don't think that's a place that you would expect to be after the struggles they had a season ago. But you got to get your program trending in the right direction somehow, and doing it recruiting the transfer portal. Good way to start. Arizona, Stanford, doing that. Five UCLA. That's about where I expect them to be. It's honestly a a little bit high. Chip is not a big-time recruiter, but they also have hit the portal really hard. You know, Chip Kelly, who I'm going to get to in major detail later here on the show as we begin our series of uh, coaching evals in the Pac-12 conference, which will be a lot of fun. Chip Kelly is up first, so stay tuned for that, but... Utah is right behind them at number six, and the Bruins, I think, are only above because they have the fifth-ranked transfer portal class in the class of 2022, uh, according to 24-7, which is where I go for recruiting information. I think they do a really great job. Uh, I'm not paid to plug them or anything. I just really think they do a good job. But they've brought in not only a lot of players, but some quality players as well. And I think that that's a notable thing for Chip Kelly because he's not he, he doesn't like recruiting. That's a very, very well-known thing about Chip Kelly. He's brought in good recruits over the years. He had some good ones back at Oregon at UCLA, has had some really good players, has developed them really well, but it's not his favorite thing in the world. That's why he went to the NFL. He just wants to focus on football. But Utah at six, Arizona State at seven. That's a little surprising because their high school recruiting ranking is so low. It's last in the conference, but... Couple transfer. They've had a bunch of players transfer as well. I'm surprised that Arizona State is up that high. They're just a, a smidge ahead of Cal at eight, Colorado at nine, Wazoo at ten, Washington eleven, Oregon State comes in at number twelve. There are a couple of major surprises on this list. That it, you know, when I'm going through and and just looking at the teams and where they stack up against everybody else in the conference, there are a couple that stand out in particular. Arizona and Stanford among them, honestly. Or obviously, but there's a couple at the bottom I didn't expect to be there. I'll tell you who they are after I tell you that I love brownies. Yes. You know what I love more than brownies, though? Brownie batter. Yeah. Sometimes I, like any normal person, just wants to eat the batter off the spatula. Imagine if you could lick brownie batter off a spatula and get some protein in. Well, guess what? You're in luck. Built has a new creation, and this one is better than ever. The brownie batter puff. You heard me right. Puffs are these light pillowy, sweet, protein-infused marshmallows that are heavenly pockets of doughy, delicious, filling goodness. And let me tell you, you're missing out if you don't have them. 140 calories, 17 grams of protein, and only 7 grams of sugar for brownie batter puffs. They're the perfect pick-me-up for any day. Go to Bilt.com. Use promo code LOCK15. Get 15% off your order. That's promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Bilt.com. Okay. The biggest surprise here to me, based on what we saw in 2021 and how programs have been trending, not just last year, but over the last couple of years, is that Oregon State is last. Washington being right above them, I, I don't have high expectations for a program other than USC when you undergo a coaching change, right? And the Trojans have lived up to the billing and the transfer portal, and then saw. they're doing even better in that respect than then I thought it looked like Jordan Addison. Eh, maybe he's going to Texas. No, he's going to USC as it was initially rumored to, to have been the case. And they're, they're knocking it out of the park in that sense. And on the high school recruiting trail, they will be just fine. They're in Los Angeles. They've got a big-time coach who's brought in some big-time players over the years at Oklahoma. Now he's got a bunch of kids in his backyard. It's going to be pretty easy for Lincoln Riley to recruit, certainly easier than it was for him back in back in Norman. Oregon State being last surprises me because, you, you know, Washington's a much bigger brand, right? They've been in the college football playoff, and historically, they have a much richer tradition than do the Bees. But Oregon State is a program that is, I think, in much better shape than Washington right now. You have Jonathan Smith, who's in his, I think, I think fifth year, fifth, sixth or so. The rebuild appears to be well underway. They had a seven-win season last year, which for Oregon State— It's not just a good competitive year, but they beat Utah, the eventual Pac-12 champions as well. They were undefeated at home. I feel like it's a program that has a lot of things going for them. And I think that they had uh, quite a few eggs in the basket of JT Daniels. He ended up going to West Virginia instead. I've talked about that on here with Carter Baines of beaverblitz.com, who will be on tomorrow. But, you know, I just did not think that Oregon State factor in high school recruiting and, and the transfer portal would come in last. Do I expect them to be near the top? No. Because recruiting Corvallis is very hard. But recruiting to Cal Berkeley is also very hard. Recruiting to Pullman is very hard. And so when you're talking about bringing guys in via the transfer portal, generally guys are going to want to go to places where either they can play or they can be a part of a team that can compete. And, I mean, if you're looking at the 2021 season and you're asking me as a a transfer player to choose between Washington State, Cal, and Oregon State, Depending on positional availability and how much playing time I get, boy, Oregon State might have been the best option of, of the three. Now, Pullman, Corvallis, a little bit of a toss-up there. But, you know, Cal's coming off another losing season. They've had a lot of those in the last several years. And so I, I was very surprised. I would have expected them to be to be flipped, honestly. Like, if Cal had been last or if Colorado had been last, frankly, that would have been something I expected a little bit more. But Oregon State being last... That that surprised me a good amount. Speaking of which, Arizona State don't know how they're seventh. Don't don't know how, just in the sense of not that I've analyzed every recruitment, like, oh, he's rated too high and yada yada yada. No, just from a broad perspective of they are not moving in the right direction as a football program, and they've got a bunch of potential sanctions incoming. I mean, I don't know if sanctions are incoming. I know there's an investigation ongoing. And that's not great. And the high school recruiting has fallen off dramatically, but they've been able to hit the portal despite having a lot of kids leave via the transfer portal. I mean, they are a major, major candidate to take a step back significantly here in in twenty twenty two. So I, I think that that is also also a little bit of of a surprise that Arizona stays is that high. But you know, Washington during coaching change, like I, I understand that Wazoo, Colorado, Cal, where they are, that's about right you know utah being middle of the pack no pun intended <laughs> i'm sorry about that um i just it, sometimes i can't help myself subconsciously of course that, that that really was no pun intended it was but anyway so you know utah being in the middle of, of the conference in terms of you know high school recruiting and transfer portal i think that is something that i kind of expect with utah because uh, they're not they, they've never been the big flashy program to land a big-time recruits or be in these battles for highly rated four-stars or five-star kids and you know blue-chip prospects who are ready for the NFL tomorrow that's never been Utah's MO right they're all about doing more with less i think that's kind of what Oregon state is trying to become i think they're a poor man's utah at the moment you know which is not a terrible place to be a poor man's yacht is a 30-foot sailboat i'd like to have a 30-foot sailboat it's better than nothing for sure but, you know, Utah, I mean, Devin Lloyd was just taken in the first round, right? He fell somehow to the Jags who got a steal, and I think it was pick 27. Devin Lloyd's a stud. You watch Devin Lloyd, you go, oh, that's an NFL player. That, that guy is going to be a good NFL player. And the Jags agree, and most of the NFL scouting community agrees. Devin Lloyd was a three-star recruit. That's the epitome of Utah football. You take someone who is not supremely sought after as, as a high school recruit and you turn him into a really really good solid quality player who's very productive first team all Pac 12 yada 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 the dude's a stud that's what i think of when when i think of utah football and so seeing them in the middle even after a Pac 12 conference championship season factoring in you know high school recruiting and, and the transfer portal i i don't think is really all that surprising and i never really will expect them to be up near the top because it's not just not been their MO as a program and that's fine. It clearly works. They've played in three Pac-12 championship games and they won one by like 28 points. So what they're doing, I, I don't think they need to change it. Clearly that that seems to be working just fine for them. Um those are kind of the biggest surprises. You know the the Oregon state is is so low that Arizona state is is that high and then just Arizona and Stanford, man, they're they're just, they're just there, you know? And I think it begs the question, how quickly can they turn it around? Right. You have a good recruiting cycle like this. Where does that translate into a rebuild? And I I think fans would like it to be instant, but I think more realistically what you have in in a game like football, where you got to get in the weight room, you got to put on some weight sometimes adjust to the speed of the game, going from high school to college. It, can be a big, big change depending on the high school league that you played on in the state that that you're originally from. It can take some time, but it doesn't mean you can't have some freshmen making an impact right away. Certainly transfers are expected to make an impact right away, right? I, I mean... Chase Cota goes to Oregon. Yeah, they expect him to be one of their regular receivers this year. Bo Nix might be their starting quarterback. You know, Jaden Delora transfers to Arizona. That's part of the reason that, that their ranking is probably so high. They're going to expect him to be the starting quarterback and play right away, make an impact right away. Caleb Williams at USC. Like, transfers are going to impact your team sooner. But in the long run, you do have to have a, an influx of talented high school kids coming through your program. It's not like the only way – to win in college football as a transfer portal, right? You still have to be able to go out to high schools all over the country, be in those recruiting battles for, for some decently rated kids, bring them on your roster and develop them and, and allow them to grow within your program and become solid players. a la Devin Lloyd at Utah and such. So I, I, I think that that gets overlooked sometimes because the transfer portal is new itch. Right, we've always had the portal, but we haven't had all the, these one-time exemptions where guys can be eligible to play, eligible to play right away. But because we do, everyone thinks, well, it's just different. All you need is a transfer portal. Like, no, you, you still have to be able to recruit. You have to be able to be willing to use the transfer portal as well. Someone who did that very well this offseason is Chip Kelly, and he's going to be the first in our coaching evals here. Unlocked on Lockdown Pac-12 which we'll get to after I remind you this episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why endure pointless or intimidating questioning like is your Odyssey an LX or an EX, yada, yada, yada? Just save time and money when using Rock Auto. It's a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. Go to rockauto.com, see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in there. How did you hear about us, Box? So they know we sent you? Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. All right, let's get into coach eval number one, and we start with Chip Kelly at UCLA. And I will be grading these coaches. I'll go through all 12 in the conference. I'll look at past, present, potentially future performance as well, but mostly past and present. Might be tough with some of the guys who, who are new, like Dan Lanning at Oregon. Uh, you know, Jake Dickard at Washington State doesn't have a huge sample size. Kalen DeBoer as well. But for those guys, I'll be assessing, you know, how they performed at their last school and how I think it'll translate over to to where they are now. Right. Or in their or in their previous job with Dickard, who was the previous defensive coordinator. But we'll start with Chip Kelly and I will uh, give these guys five grades. You know, Professor Spencer is is in the house and will remain in the house in coming episodes. This will be an ongoing series. Every coach will be graded in five areas overall grade recruiting game management and scheme player development and coaching hires that meaning primarily your offensive and defensive coordinator who you're surrounding yourself with that are you know having a tangible impact on on saturdays and chip kelly in chip kelly's case that's a, a very important thing to consider uh which i'll which i'll get to here but let will start with the overall grade and also since it's the first just want to let you know I'm not handing out A's here, okay? If I give you an A in something, that means you are, you're killing it. You're knocking it out of the park. Home run, grand slam, round trip, or whatever else, whatever other word you want to come up with to describe when the ball goes over the fence in baseball, that's what you're doing if you if you get an A minus or, or anything above. So when I say that Chip Kelly's overall grade is a B, which I say it is, that means I think he's doing a good job doesn't mean I think he's doing the greatest job in the history of mankind and everything has been perfect and flawless and it's been amazing. No, that means he has been good. He has been solid. The program was down. He's built it back up. He needs to back it up this year. But if he is able to do that, this grade could go maybe up to a B plus. Let's start with where Chip Kelly is the weakest. Recruiting. Recruiting, he gets a C. You look at the recruiting rankings over the last several years for UCLA, nothing to, to bat your eyelashes at. Right. It's never been his primary M.O. I think he was helped by being at Oregon back in uh, back in his heyday when he was bringing in top 15 caliber classes. But again, they never cracked the top 10. We now know because of Mario Cristobal and, you know, looks this way with with Dan Landing, his staff as well, that bringing in top 10 caliber recruiting class at Oregon is entirely possible. But that's not Chip's thing. Right. He went to the NFL because he didn't necessarily want to recruit. It's it's not his favorite thing in the world, and that, that's just who he is, and you got to take him as, as he is. But, 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 what he has done exceptionally well, I alluded to this earlier, he has hit the portal very well in this class of 2022. He's gotten a couple of Oregon guys. Jalen Jeffers, the offensive lineman, a position of need after they lost some starters from last year when they had an elite offensive line. Jalen Davies, a corner from Oregon as well. He was one of the 10 Highest-rated corners coming out of high school. Didn't play a lot with the Ducks, but now he goes to UCLA. He could become a player in the secondary as well. Gabriel and Grayson Murphy, the transfers from North Texas, figure to be players on the defensive line. Here's a name to watch out for, though, when it comes to transfers into the Pac-12, specifically at UCLA. Hawaii transfer linebacker Darius mua I apologize if I'm not pronouncing that correctly. Looks like I am. Maybe I am not. He was a guy who coming out of high school was a two star recruit, according to 24 seven sports. So he goes to Hawaii. He's over with the Rainbow Warriors, who I believe still have Todd Graham as their head coach, former uh, lead man for Arizona State. He grades as a four star transfer when he enters the portal. That's the sort of guy who is trending up and who is looking to show that he can make that sort of impact at the power five level. It's different when you're playing Hawaii. But I tell you what. That's worthy of note that I've I've seen guys go up or down a star, you know, based on their rating after 24 seven has time to evaluate them and understand, you know, what what they're able to bring to the table as players. Very rarely do you see a two star jump. Right. And Oregon actually, I think, has that with Bo Nix, who's grading a three star transfer despite being a five star recruit. So he's going in the opposite direction. But this guy, Mua the linebacker, Darius Mua is his name. Two star recruit. Four-star transfer. Very, very interesting of note. So overall C, which is, again, not terrible. You know, in our society now, a C is seen as like, oh my gosh, C is terrible. No, C is average. And I, I think Chip Kelly has been a- about average, right? If you want to make this a C- minus in your head, I, I wouldn't hate that because he hasn't raised the recruiting profile dramatically. But this transfer class has got a lot of players in it and it figures to have some pretty high-caliber players in it, right? Guys like Jake Bobo from Duke and then all the guys that that I've mentioned here. So he, he gets a, a C right there. Game management and scheme, Chip Kelly gets a B, right? Rock solid. He's good. Knows how to score points. He never feels outdated. You know, that's not something you ever have to worry about with Chip Kelly or that he doesn't know what he's doing. Every year he's been the head coach at UCLA. The offense has improved statistically in points per game as it relates to to uh, not just overall, but also in terms of where they stand in the Pac-12, right? They were near the bottom, then they went up, and then they were second, and then they were first a season ago at just under 37 points a game. Now, the reason that I I give Chip a B here, because I think his offensive play calling is really good, always has been and uh, I, I think continues to be, the reason he only gets a B and not something higher is because even though he's an offensive coach, I can't just ignore the defense, right? I can't get Fresno State out of my head. I I mean, when I think of this, the, the defenses UCLA has had over the last several years, they've been pretty bad. But this past year, they were up 37 seconds. They'd already had a big win against LSU. They were in the top 25. Felt like they were finally going to be really competitive. And then they allowed Fresno State in less than a minute to go down the field, score, go ahead, touchdown. I know Chip Kelly's an offensive coach. He doesn't pay that much attention to the defensive side of the ball. I get all that you got to be able to get on the headset at some point and give your defensive coordinator a a tip or two or a pointer and be like, Hey, they're running this. Can we make an adjustment? Can we do that? Like you got to do something there. Right? So even though he's an offensive guy and that's where he focuses almost all of his energy, even when he's a head coach, the defense is still a a part of the product that you're putting on the field as the head coach. So game management scheme, he gets to be player development. I, again, give him I'm actually going to upgrade this to to a B plus I think player development is a B plus so far DTR is the biggest example when he first got to college he was not a college quarterback for four years he was a converted wide receiver and he didn't know how to play the position he did not but you watch him a season ago and I would say right now he's probably one of the three best quarterbacks in the Pac-12 I think he got Caleb Williams Cam Rising and then it's probably DTR Some Oregon fans out there might say Bo Nix. I don't know. What what has Bo Nix shown that DTR has has not? I guess an ability to win in the SEC, but Dorian Thompson Robinson is a guy who has won games in this conference. We saw that a season ago and can do that again. And his development, at the quarterback position has been tremendous, but it hasn't just been there. Zach Charbonnet was, you know, seen as like ah, a little bit of a letdown at Michigan. Comes to UCLA, boom, he pops. Looks like an NFL caliber running back. The way the offensive line has improved each year. Has been palpable under Chip Kelly and his staffs. Greg Dulcich was, I think, a walk-on when he got to UCLA, just got drafted in the third round. Kaz Allen is a name to watch this year for another example of, of player development during Kelly's tenure with, with UCLA. I originally had this as a B. I think it's a B plus. You know, I, I would put it as an A because the, the growth of DTR has just been so incredible to watch. And they clearly have a great relationship and they get to be in year five together. How often do you get to say that in college sports, especially nowadays, the answer is not very often, but you know, guys like Kyle Phillips who, you know, blossom into uh, a really, really good wide receiver in the pac 12 and is off to the NFL. Now, I think that leaves a production void and, you know, Jake Bobo from Duke, the transfer going to get a plenty of targets on the outside, but Kaz Allen, I think I'd watch for his development and see if if he takes that sort of leap in production because he has got blazing speed and he's the sort of guy that Chip Kelly has used a lot over the years as a coach. So B-plus in, in player development. Uh, coaching hires, I had this one at a B-minus. I downgraded it to a C-plus. His offensive staff is clearly competent. Even though he's the guy calling the plays and the offense is his baby and all that sort of stuff, you still have to have good assistant coaches around you who know what they're doing and Justin Fry most recently was his offensive coordinator he got hired away to Ohio State Ohio State wanted him as an offensive coordinator that's telling about the promotion that Chip Kelly made when when Fry went from just being an offensive line coach to being the offensive coordinator I'm pretty sure that's the 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 progression he went on career-wise he he is someone who Getting hired by a big-time school like that tells me that that guy knew what he was doing. And the statistics back that up, right? UCLA's offense is probably going to be just fine with Chip Kelly, but still having that sort of guy on staff is a testament to the quality of the hire and the fact that Ryan Day at Ohio State, which is objectively a bigger and better program than UCLA, that they wanted him, and Ryan Day, who's a Chip Kelly disciple, wanted him, that is, I think, a really, really good sign for the quality of that hire the reason that I downgraded this to a C plus is UCLA's defense has been putrid the last couple of years. And Jerry as was terrible. There is no other way to see it in his four years, as defensive coordinator, you get a little bit of Pat of a pass for the first couple of years because the roster was rebuilding and whatnot, but you go from 104th to taking a step back to 116th nationally. Second year, 103rd upgrade 73rd again, an upgrade but not enough. UCLA was an 8-4 team last year. If they had a competent defensive coordinator, like say Justin Wilcox got fired from Cal, if you put him at UCLA, I'm pretty sure that team wins the Pac-12 South this year. I'm not kidding. Justin Wilcox is a great defensive coordinator, but they didn't even need a great one. They needed a competent one whose defense could stop Fresno State, an inferior roster in an inferior conference, from going down the field at home in like 37 seconds. And scoring a touchdown—that's what UCLA needed to be nine and three. And I think if you had a better defense coordinator, you maybe would have been ten and two. That is entirely, entirely possible. And Jerry Aznarro should have been fired two years ago. The defense wasn't getting better; they were not well coached. I don't like their scheme. I didn't like anything about the UCLA defense, and it was time to make a change. They finally did, and I think that's a good thing for the Bruins. So, just to recap here, there's our first coaching eval. The, fir- the first of 12 that we'll do here on the show, which is why you should like and subscribe wherever you're listening to or watching right now so you can keep up with all of them because I will go through all 12 here in the Conference of Champions. Chip Kelly, overall, gets a B. Rock solid, been doing a good job, needs to back it up this year with another quality season. Eight, nine wins would be a great place for them to be. Recruiting, a C. Game management and scheme, a B. Player development, B+. Coaching hires, a C plus. Overall, gets you a B. Chip Kelly, U C L A, Eval number one in the boot, in the books. Professor Spencer is hanging around right here on Locked On Pac 12. I appreciate everyone listening. I will see you next time and have a wonderful rest of your day.